This is Fluid Truth, and I'm attorney Shirley Skyers-Thomas. We explore a simple question of whether there is equity in the justice system. The content offered in this segment is personal reflection and interpretation. The views of my guests are not necessarily the views of Fluid Truth or Quinnipiac University. I'm pleased to introduce Mr. Al Brooks as my guest today. Mr. Brooks is a retired police officer. He started his career with the New York City Transit Police Department and ended his career with the New York City Police Department. I appreciate that Mr. Brooks has chosen to share his story with us here at Fluid Truth. So Mr. Brooks, my friend Al, thank you for joining me. Um, We spoke briefly about uh, some good stories that you could share. So I'm really excited to hear what you can tell me. And again, I'm interested in knowing what has impacted you. What from the legal arena has impacted you? So thank you again, Mr. Al Brooks. And thank you. Share with no us. Problem. For me, it all started. I had no idea what I wanted to do. None. And my brother joined the police force. And I, you know, when he joined, I used to help him with his paperwork and all his different stuff for the academy. And, you know, I just decided, let me fill out some applications for the state trooper, police department, whatever I could, city employment. And sure enough, it came about, you know, wasn't really sure, but probably one of the best decisions I ever made. And, you know, so it was good. It, it had its pros, it had its cons, you know, it had its good and it had its bad, but every job that you have, you can look at the positive and look at the negative of it, of where it's going to take you. And it did just that. So tell me, please, so where were you a police officer and how long were you a police officer? Actually, I worked all over the city. Oh, my gosh. I worked in in the Bronx, in the South Bronx. I worked in Harlem as a transit cop. And I worked in Brooklyn as a transit cop. And uh, it was good to me. It was very good to me. I experienced a lot of different things that most people would never get to experience. So... Yeah, it was good. I did 21 years in law enforcement and um, I bounced all over the place, but it was good. I think I've been through every court system in every borough except Staten Island. So I learned a lot, met a lot of good people, a lot of good people. And you meet some people you would like to forget. (laughs) I am sure. I am sure. So, So that's probably a good segue. So can you tell me of an experience or a personal story or of um, something that was impactful to you in your capacity as an officer? Share a story with me, please. A really interesting one was uh, it's a young man that I met. I met him in a very bad way. He went to buy some weed, and it was very interesting because they robbed him for his money. And he tried to fight them off and fight them back, and they slashed him in the face, you know. And they slashed him pretty deep and pretty bad, and he chased them. So at the same time he chased them, he collapsed. And uh, he was, you know, conscious, and he was bleeding pretty bad. And at the same time, at that point, I was studying to be an EMT as well. I was taking EMT classes, the whole whole bang, and... At the same time, right at that point, what I was studying was how to bandage people up, how to stop bleeding. And sure enough, it came in 
handy at that point. So as I'm talking to him, he's yelling and screaming and blood is squirting out his face. And I'm like, listen, you need to stop yelling because if you don't stop, you're going to lose a lot of blood and you're going to lose nerve damage in your face. So he told us what they look like, what the guys look like, what they did. They ran, put over the radio, stopped the train 125th Street. And sure enough, the two guys were sitting right on the train. Got them. Took them to the hospital, got some stitches, bandaged them up. A couple of days later, he comes back and he goes, Officer Brooks, I want to thank you. If it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be here. And I probably wouldn't be able to talk to you. And every day that I would see this, because he lived right upstairs. And every day I would see this young man, he's taking his kids to school. And he would tell his kids, that man saved my life. And he was a really nice guy. He stopped smoking, got a job, take his kids every day. Every day he would see me, he would introduce his kids and tell them, you see him, show him respect. So did you ever feel like you had a hand in the way that his life was changing? Did you ever feel like... And I guess it might be a lot to say that you saved his life and put him on the right path. But did you ever think about that? Not really. You know, you know what? Like I said, you run across a lot of people and being a cop, you run across people in their most vulnerable and depressive state. So you don't really think about it because you're not doing a job to be a hero. You're doing a job that you signed up to do. And that's it. That's it. I, I, I didn't think about it as I'm changing his life. I didn't set out to go to work that day. Go, I'm going to change his life. No, I just did what I trained to do and what I was planning training to do, you know, so, you know, being a cop and working EMT on the side part time. That was just what I wanted to do. Oh, this is interesting. Going back to the young man you were talking about, did he ever get um, charged or convicted or anything like that for the weed possession or because he had all these other supplemental things that never came forward? They never charged him because he never bought the weed. Um, He was more of a victim. So he wound up actually going and he promised me, he goes, I'm going to court. I'm going to make sure they get prosecuted. And he showed up every single time. Every That's time hard sometimes. Went, That's sometimes really is. hard to do, to show up and to be there when court's in session and it's a long process and you don't know what's going to happen and if it's going to be continued or what. You just don't know. That's, that's commendable. Yeah, and he showed up and he was very determined to show up and he did. You know, he kept, many people have tell you, like, you arrest somebody and they tell you, I'm going to show up to court because, you know, this is not right. And they never show up. You know, and the judge got to send a subpoena for you to go get them to bring them to court. And, you know, you're the victim. We're here to help you. You know, we shouldn't have to come and drag you to court to do something that, to help you. And, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. I like how you're talking about overlap between being an officer and how you're studying for the EMT. So do you have any other instances where those two trainings would have overlapped? The EMT came in. That part of it, uh, when I was training, it was very interesting because I had to go out with New York City EMT. You know, I started working for a private company because I already worked for the city. So I couldn't hold two city jobs. But you have to train with city EMTs. And it was very interesting. We responded to 
a lady falling down the stairs and breaking her ankle. And uh, as soon as we get there, you know, one of the guys, I know him, he's a cop that I train with, and he's looking at me, he goes, I know you. I'm like, I know you too. And he goes, oh, Al. I'm like, yeah, he goes, did you quit? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is just some training that I'm doing. So I was like, so he's interesting. He's looking at me. He's like, wow. He goes, how do you go from one stressful job to another? So how but, did you go from one stressful, stressful job to another? How did you go from that? That sounds like a lot. It is. It, it really was. Because um, I would leave one, go to the other, and then finish one and go back to the other. So it was like a nonstop door, like really nonstop. And then when 9-11 hit, it was even more of a nonstop door because we were doing 12-hour days. So 12-hour days for me came into 24 hours because I was leaving the police department and going to EMT back and forth, back and forth. So it was just one of those things. It doesn't sound like there's any sleep in there. It sounds like it's all sleep sleep deprived and you kind of just running until you can run out. But what was your motivation during all of this? Uh, To be honest with you, it was more of, you know, you have a job, you know, the job's going to end at one point. And what do you want to do after? What do you want to do when you're done? And for me, it was accumulating as much skill and knowledge that I can. So I can always say I have this knowledge, I have a skill. So I can always have something to fall back on. I can always do something, even if I didn't do it, I can always say I can go back to it. I have that skill, I have that training is always with me because it's mine. And so it's not something that someone can take away from me. Absolutely, and what's interesting about you many guests that I will be able to talk to you won't have this particular facet that they could both speak from their professional lives. And for you, it was when you were an officer. And then there's this personal side. So I want to segue for a moment, if you're able to tell me about any impactfulness, um, any impact with the law that you had on the personal side. So outside of working your extensive jobs, your stressful jobs, but outside of working there, <laughs> what were what was the impact of the law in your personal life? Fortunately, it was actually negative. It was really negative. When I was, uh, you know, high school, kid being a kid, you know, we cut school in the middle from lunch and we went to play basketball. And um, sure enough, my high school and another high school, uh, they got into an altercation and someone got stabbed. Unfortunately, it was in the same park that we was playing basketball. So when the cops rounded up everybody, they grabbed all of us and they were, you know, taking us back to school and one of the cops. And interestingly enough, this same cop, I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, when he asked us for our programs and ID for school, you know, he hit me. He actually hit me and two other guys. I'm, and I'm the type of person, don't put your hands on me. I don't like people to touch me. But when we went back to school, and he actually took us back to school, my program card, I used to fold it up really small 
So when he actually handed it to the principal, mine wasn't there. My program card wasn't there. So the principal looked at me and goes, Brooks, why are you here? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, okay, go to class. <laughs> so I actually walked away, but I was pretty upset. But that cop that actually hit me, his partner, I knew her. She was my advisor when I was becoming a cop. So when I told her the story, she told me that's my old partner. Wow, that's some serious full circle. So wait, where did you go to high school? Is this also in New York? Mm-hmm. Okay. Alfred e. Smith, vocational. So they're fighting in the park. They just round everybody up. And if you're there, you're getting rounded up, you're getting taken with them. Mm-hmm. What's the what's your best guess? What year was this? Um, I would say 86 to 87. <laughs> 86 to 87. Know what's so crazy though? So we both remember 1986. We just do. So the police presence was very heavy handed, very heavy handed in Connecticut. I'm not certain about New York, but it sounds like the same in oh, the right. late 80s. Yeah. There, there was a lot going on. So police presence was heavy. So I'm so interested for a quick, just one more um, uh, share with me. So you had this experience as a high school student. He actually put his hands on you, which is unfortunate. And you were angry and you know you went on to do some other things after high school, but then you came full circle to enter the force. So did that deter you? Did that inspire you, this instance of high school? Or did you even no, remember it? No, it didn't deter me. It didn't deter me. It really didn't. I think my brother inspired me because he was my biggest influence in a lot of things that I did. So he actually paid for me to go into the academy. He paid everything that I needed, all the money that I needed. He took care of me until I was finished and I paid him back. So, you know, for everything that you needed, you had to pay a certain amount for your gun, your uniforms, your until you, you know, and he paid it all. He put me through the academy and I paid him back full circle when his first daughter was born. And he was, you know, and I said, you know what? You help me, I'm helping you. So, you know, he's been a lot of influence on a lot of things that I've done. And now that, you know, it's always been that concept of each one help one. So, you know, I've always looked at him as the person that helped me get to where I'm at. My nieces and my nephews, whenever I see them doing something, no, I can help. Same way. I help them to get where they need to go. That's beautiful because as you're well aware, we don't get here in our own action. We don't get here um, individually. It takes people to assist. It takes the help. So did you ever get a chance to work with your brother or no? Yeah, I did. I did for a short period of time. We worked together for a short period of time. Um, we shared an office and a desk for a short period of time. And, um, I wound up getting transferred out. So it was good. It was good. You know, for, um, a few years I worked with my siblings and it was nice. It was nice. It was a nice experience to have had. And, uh, you know, if we all ever need to go back there, we know we could pull it off again, but, uh, yeah, we've since gone on to do some other things. That's nice. It was nice because we get to see each other 
in a dangerous profession and know that we're okay every day. So he get to see, we get to see each other, we get to talk to each other and know that we're okay every day. So. I know. never would have thought about that, but you're right. <laughs> coming into, you know, coming into work, you'd be like, okay, all right, you're all right, brother, you're good. Okay. Yeah. I never would have thought about that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know, going out and coming back and, okay, you made it. Let's go one. have something to eat and then uh, see you tomorrow. I love that. I love that. You really tied this in for me really nicely because, again, I'm interested in hearing stories that otherwise may not be shared. And I want to allow this to be a forum. And you were able to take your professional life, which was at that time you were a New York City officer, and then tie that into to your personal, you know, the stories of your personal life and how those intersect and overlap. And I just love that. So thank you so much for telling me. I'm really very appreciative that you're able to talk with me today. You are very welcome. Thanks for listening in today. Special thanks to our producer, Michael Bachman, and executive producer, David DeRoche. Music is provided by Audio Hero from their Jazz Lounge album. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts. If you have a story to share or something you want to talk about, find us on social media or shoot us an email. That address is qupodcasts at qu.edu. On the next show, I'll be sitting down with attorney Errol Skyers, partner in private practice and assistant city attorney for the city of Bridgeport. All right, that's it for today. Till next time.